Coronavirus spooks Sony. Enough for them not to go to PAX. Hello, and welcome to Triangle Squared PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys episode 151. 151. We are Triangle Squared PlayStation Podcast, if you've never heard of us. Uh, of course, you can see us every week, but due to one of our suggestions, and I have actually been working on that, um, I'm going to save that for a little bit later. So to get this thing working off right, uh, I guess I should go ahead and say I might sound very odd this week because I am under the weather. Uh, I am sickly but uh, probably not the coronavirus, <laughs> as Saul was just uh, suggesting uh, suggesting during uh, right before we started recording. But anyway, um, we're still going to keep one thing about this show the same as always, and that is, Saul, what have you been up to, and what have you been playing? I haven't played a single video game this past week. <laughs> like, not even a single one. What have you been doing? Um, living life? Living life. Like I, there's, the fast lane. there's nothing that I have been wanting to play. And I tinkered with the idea of playing dark souls three again, but I was kind of like, eh, I, I don't want to burn myself out. So I'm not going to play that. And then there was one night I sat down in the game room and I like was going to boot up final fantasy 15. And I'm like, eh, still don't just feel like playing anything. Like I'm just in that, not that I didn't want to play that game specifically. I'm just in that weird funk where I just don't want to play anything at all. And this week has gone by like really, really fast and work this week has been really, really slow. So like every day just felt like a blur and I I watched a couple movies, but I haven't really done anything else. Um, I did, uh, well, I did power my PS4 on yesterday um, just because I had an issue with GameStop and if you're in our Discord, you are aware of what happened and I was compensated by them uh, via an e-gift card for troubles, and I had a trade value or a trading card on top of that. So I actually decided. Uh, I think I told you. I'm not sure. Did I tell you they got the Hyper Hyper X Stingers or whatever? No. They're like a seventy dollar wireless headset from Target, but they're weird. The little uh, Bluetooth adapter that plugs in your PS4. If you throw it in your PS4. When you turn your PS4 on, it automatically routes audio to that. Oh, okay, yeah, you did yeah. tell me this. It automatically routes your audio through to those headphones, but the headphones aren't on. So then if you turn them on, there was times I turned them on and I had no audio at all. So I had to go into the settings, go to sound devices, and then have all output go back out to my TV and then go to the headset for it to work. I was like, that's annoying. And I really like the headsets, but I didn't want to deal with that every time I turn my PlayStation 4 on. And I didn't want to have to deal with putting a USB adapter in every time I wanted to play a game with a headset. So I gave those to my wife because she's been playing Animal Crossing and she got one of her friends from work to buy it and they're going to have like a girl's night where they're going to play Animal Crossing and that's going to be kind of nice to have on the couch, have a wireless headset. But um, I bought the Sony Platinums. Oh, okay. And I did a couple like tinkering around with it last night. Like they're, they're a little different than the Golds. Um, I did uh, I did the thing like where I go in, create a voice message and then I test it to hear back my voice and I go test my microphone volume and i did not know you put that much stock and time into your headset oh yeah like every time i get a new headset i'm curious to how my voice sounds so i will go into the messaging on playstation i'll create a, a message or i go into a group and i'll create a voice message and then i'll test my mic out and then i'll play it back to see how it sounds yep. and i'm like okay this sounds pretty good or this sounds pretty terrible 
And the Sony ones, they sounded fine. Like, nothing nothing amazing about them. Nothing wrong with them, though. They sounded perfectly adequate for a headset. Um, I haven't tested them out in-game or anything like that, but apparently they have enhanced uh, enhanced artificial 7.1 surround sound. And yeah. I actually found that out, which is kind of cool about this here in a second. But um, they have that. They have, like, a bass boost mode, which is kind of cool. And they have all the traditional features I loved about the Golds, despite not liking the Golds that much. The bass boost was also in the Golds. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Um, but they have uh, they have a great feel to them. They look amazing in person. Like, they look high quality because um, the silver and then, like, the matte black, it just mm-hmm. looks nice. And I think the new Golds look really elegant. Uh, the old Golds didn't look great they looked okay they and they functioned they functioned but they looked too plastic i really think they've done a lot by wrapping the plastic band with a little bit of foam and the material yeah to make it look a little high quality i really uh, like, but i've yet to see the i've yet to see the platinums in person so oh, i'm about to go check them out i really like the brush aluminum on them it looks really nice but um yeah i just i sat there and i tested them out and i threw them on the charger and i kind of let them charge but then i had an idea and i remember you can use platinums with your pc mm-hmm. can i and you can do that wirelessly they came with a 3.5 can yeah. I plug this into my Xbox controller and use this as an Xbox headset too? There yes. shouldn't be no reason that you couldn't. Yeah, yeah, you can. And what I found was cool was like I was kind of just opening my Xbox up and I plugged it in and, I, and it works. And I was going through like the menu system and I was really in Games Pass. And you have Games Pass; they have five games across, and it's like X amount of games down. Yeah, um, as their menu system is. You could tell the cool surround sound about it because on the left, if you take your left, the left furthermost game and you go all the way to the right and select them, you can hear the cursor moving from left to right in the speaker. Oh. And it's really cool. I don't normally do that any of that kind of gaming with headset on anymore. Like I, I didn't do it much anyway. Yeah, like, I wonder if that's in all of them that have the 7.1 surround. I don't know, but it's really cool. And You've and, had a lot more headsets than I have. so Yeah, I've had probably 20 in the past eight years. But, um, but yeah, like I have not played a single game. It's been a boring week. What have you done? Uh, I have not played too much. I played. Uh, I started Darksiders Genesis, which I got for free, of course, because of Amazon stuff. And now, as you may be able to see if you're watching video, my beautiful Strife statue is in the back. So That's my collection edition a, came a dope in. Dope statue. Yeah. Um, so I have an extra copy of the game. Which, since I kind of got lucky in a round to where I got a physical copy of the game, um, or I got the version I paid for, and then I got an extra digital copy to just compensate. I'm already playing the digital copy. I'm going to go ahead and just give away my physical copy on the Twitter and uh, Facebook or something. I'm going to figure it out exactly how I'm going to do it. Uh, but since I was fortunate and ended up getting a free version of the game, I'm going to, um, I mean, it didn't come without the fact that I had no clue when this was going to get in and Amazon really screwed up, but I'm going to give that off to someone else and hopefully let them enjoy it. Uh, the great thing I love about that game is it's, it's something I've always loved about older style games that even the new ones that do it like Diablo really don't do it in a very similar way. It's something you see less often though. It's coming back around the top down action RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, even ones that aren't too overly obsessed with loot. Um, one of the things about Diablo is that Diablo, I think by nature maybe of trying to be a computer game first and a console game second, even though I think it feels good on console. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I like about this game, the ability to jump tying in platforming into what you're doing. So uh, that it feels um, I, I want to say like it feels more vertical, and and that's something I think Diablo Four is trying to address with like ladders and stuff now that they used to not have. It used to always just be like you're kind of running across flat terrain with stairs occasionally moving you up. Yeah, but they're finding they're trying to find ways where you can go up and down in these games. But like um, you know, old games like uh, a PS2, the Baldur's Gate, uh, Dark Alliance One and Two, I always loved that you could jump in those games and that there were always platforming puzzles that could let you get to extra stuff. 
So if you take all those kind of ideas and put them into a dark uh, Darksiders game, my biggest thing I love about it so far is that even though on the exact surface of what it looks like from a camera angle thing, it doesn't seem like a normal Darksiders game, visually and everything else about it is just a normal Darksiders game with a perspective switch. So um, if I've never played a Darksiders game or very little, yeah, would this you is recommend a, this game? Yes, also because it's a prequel. Oh, even better. Yeah, it takes place before any of the other games. So, you know, I mean, if you know War from the first game or from the remaster of the first game, then good. War Mastered. Uh, yeah, War Get Mastered. Right. Uh, if you have, uh, if you've played, uh, it, it, you know, Strife is, this is the first time you're playing, you're able to play a Strife, so there's a lot going on there. Um, which is, which is awesome. Model, right? Yeah, and right. I still hope we get a, a, a normal full 3D game Has with Has that always been his character model? Or her character model? I can't tell what that is. It's a boy. Okay. Um, but also, no, nobody's ever seen him. Until. Okay, I, like, I was going to say, I don't, I don't recognize that at all. Yeah. Like, he looks super, like, that's the coolest I design think, they have. I think he was given design in the comics uh, after the first game came out, but I don't think he was ever designed in the games, and I think that they... Never, I don't know, because a lot of the times they showed the characters as silhouettes in the old comics when they first started, and they really focused around individual ones, which is kind of what the games did too. You saw a silhouette of Strife early on, but you never got to see what he looked like, and I don't think it was it, the silhouette was just there to be kind of like a we know what he's going to be within reason, so now we're going to go through. Yeah, he's got he, a great character design. He is the coolest looking one for sure. To well, me. and he's snarky and fun too. One of the things I love about that series is that they make sure that each of the four characters that are the primary people within it. All are very different people. They're very different in how they react to things, uh, their general tone and nature. You know, Fury is very hot-headed and quick to go to just straight Fury. Uh, War is kind of like calm, and, and but he gets overly zealous when he thinks something is going wrong and that can be played against him. Death is almost dulcet and, and, and weirdly calm in a way that's it's like he's almost unshakable. Right, and then Strife is just kind of funny. He's like the Nathan Drake of the group. So does in the, the biggest does, sense. The way that, he's 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 to give it better for you. He's he's Cade for this more who? or less. He's like Cade Six. Oh, okay. But for Darksiders, he's the same basic role. He's comedic relief, but also ability. He has the ability to be serious. So when you. Needed. So I have two questions involving in this. Technically three. Okay. Uh, intro question would be: Can you play, or do you play as all the characters in this game? No, there's two. Um, so for anybody who's interested in the game, let me kind of give you the, the basic setup, just like I'm doing for Saul here. You can all benefit from this. Um, Top-down action RPG, uh, character-driven action RPG. So it's not about loot at all. You don't actually change your armor or anything like that. That was my second question. So, um, that so out. there you go. Uh, it's more like an older-style Zelda meets like an older-style like um, Baldur's Gate. So it's kind of like Divinity. In a sense, but I thought Divinity... Somebody who hadn't played it, but I've seen it. I thought you could still play change gear and whatnot. And oh yeah, you can, but it's not focused around yeah. that. So this is like Diablo. This is. is more like an action RPG, more like the original Darksiders. Darksiders two did introduce uh, loot, but this is more like uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time if you put it in a top down thing, which is what Darksiders one was uh, like. God of War meets Zelda. Zelda yeah. Um, so when you think about it that way. Uh, upgrades to your characters are mostly handled through things that you buy from menus, or uh, there's in this there's a creature core grid. Uh, but let me back up a hair. Basically, you play as Strife or War, and if you're playing single player, you in, you can freely in real time switch between the two characters. That's cool. Now you don't see them. This is actually something you will probably like because I know you don't you don't like companions. When you're not playing as the other character, they're not still running around with so you. It's just they're you. just it's just you. Yeah, that's cool. And if you hit uh, L1 and or yeah L1 and X, I think is what you do to switch to the other, and it's like they just immediately. 
like strife goes away and war drums down and then yeah. war will kind of roll out and strife will put that's kind of cool um, I, I do i will say though that uh, these games like they're often especially for me fueled for loot like that's one of my favorite things about diablo yeah. is it gives you a reason to replay but, but i Diablo's can see that's not also, what this is trying to be no and this is it, it's more trying to be like an, an old just hey here's an action dungeon crawler you're going to go through dungeons and different levels uh now there's some interesting moves they make here i think uh but a lot of it's in the in the effort to try and keep it like a, a dark siders game uh, instead of diablo like i said so platformers pl- platforming has always been an aspect of the dark siders game so, uh, series so one of the things here is they want to make sure there's plenty of even in that top down third person astrometric there's still tons of jumping platforming puzzles there's a bunch of hidden things that you can get to if you look around um there's metroidvania elements to where later missions you get certain items and you can go back and replay the other missions with the new items and actually unlock further stuff hmm. so there's a lot of hidden items and elements that you can go back and get upgrades what is the uh i would say what is the the longevity of this game uh it takes roughly 10 to 12 hours to beat uh, because you can go back and there's things that you can miss. You can go back and replay the whole thing. You can play the whole game as primarily one character, then go back and replay it as another. That's just because the play styles are drastically different. Yeah. Um, war is what war was in the first game. He's more tanky and physical based strife has a physical backup in case he needs it, but it's not really strong. He's more of the quick agile DPS. Okay. Um, and because of and he's ranged for the most part, That's he's, cool. he's guns. Uh, whereas War is almost entirely, you know, they each have aspects of the other. There's a, a little uh, glaive thing you can throw around as War um, that you can use in combat or puzzle solving. Almost every item you get has a use in puzzle solving as well, which is something I yeah. love in these types of games. Um, so yeah, it's forty dollars, uh, which I think is a great price point for this. I mean, yeah, maybe it could have even been thirty, but. Uh, it, the whole game is uh, voice acted, but it chooses to lean more into uh, its comic book styling. Uh, bigger cutscenes, for the most part, um, are handed out in like a are, are played out in like a in motion two D moving through comic book style stuff. Of like you see it and it's hand drawn. You see like a silhouette moving and like there's effects going, but then it'll zoom past that and go to the next. That's kind of cool. Um, and then for the most part, when you're actually in the levels, if there's dialogue that comes into a play, you'll see character model pop up. It just has a, a flat drawing that looks really great. Uh, and if it's like war and strife talking, war will be on the left side of the screen, so, you know, as a sideways um, viewpoint of him. And you'll see strife and the camera or the essentially the, the character model will light up as the text goes across. It's all voiced, but it's not all cutscene animated like a normal Darksiders game is. Um, so it's a very stylistic game. It's only 40 game. bucks too. Yeah. And it's on Switch. I yeah. did not know that. Very stylistic game, co-opable. Uh, so if you play co-op in this, you stick with one character. And then that does mean that because certain characters have certain puzzle solving devices, that when you're playing with it, one person can't literally do everything. And that's actually a good thing. I think it really forces... If you're going to play co-op, it forces co-op where you actually have to work with the other person. And they're not just there to essentially help you kill stuff. And I really like that. So, Saul, if you end up liking it, that's cool. That's good. Uh, And like I said, we will be doing some form of a giveaway. I will determine exactly how I want to do that, um, and we'll get into that. But that's all I've actually played this week. I've been doing a ton of painting, watching movies, uh, starting a different podcast. And I guess I can go ahead and say that on here. Um, Dickish at best, our off-topic podcast is on an indefinite hiatus for the time being. Uh, We did a lot of talking within ourselves and we've had a lot of problems getting it 
scheduled the way we wanted to. Uh, when you have that extra person in there, it creates other issues. And Blaze's time has recently gotten a little weird as he's changed jobs and had some other things come into his life. So we just felt like it was best to currently, instead of trying to constantly figure out how we're going to do it, leave it alone and stick with the things that we know we have a better idea and schedule of while we also are going to try and make up for the lack of that for anybody who enjoyed it by doing other things within this, uh, since it does free up schedule time that we can use elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and something we talked about that I, that I can either bring up more in depthly here or something that we can, uh, wait until the communities take, but it's about the, uh, the, the game club that yes. I'm not too sure. Well, I'll say we can go ahead and just move into the community stake since that's the next thing to do anyway before we go into yeah. the news. Uh, so we'll go ahead and, and do that. If you watched last week's episode, 150 episodes, um, what our community stake kind of was, was with 150 episodes under our belt, what do you love about the show? What do you not love so much about the show? And we looked at it as a good time to give us feedback that we will be addressing here on the show. Uh, though, of course, don't worry. We don't want the whole episode to just be us talking about the podcast in particular. We do want to talk about other gaming stuff uh, so that people who look for us for news and, and our opinions have that. Uh, but this is a good time to not only, I think, hear other people's opinions on the show, and that's part of why I wanted to do them on the show. It lets us kind of see them in real time and react to them in real time. I haven't read very many of these. Um, as well as um, get to the fact where... If you hear something that you think is a good idea that you hadn't thought of, then you can reach out to us however you see fit and let us know that you agree with that as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a, an opportunity for everybody to kind of get some ideas. And we'll probably talk about a couple of the other things we're going to be doing like we talked about with yeah. the game club. So um, with that in mind, I guess, Saul, you can go ahead and talk about the game club and then we'll kind of get into some of these. Sure. So something we, we're thinking about doing, and it's been in a very low thinking capacity, uh, capacity but um, due to time... I guess is kind of what we're landing on is going to be once a month. Um, but also because it varies per game, I think. And, and essentially yeah. what we want to do is reach out and play a game with people in our community. And, and over the course of one singular month, that'd be a game that we're kind of playing, whether it's the main game on the side, whatever it is, as long as we can play the game and get through it. Or, you know, if there's reasons why we can't get through it or don't want to get through it after we played it, then that can work into conversation too. But essentially, we'll pick a game for a month, and then over that month, we will play that game, and then we will have what I think we originally discussed was a patron exclusive uh, one hour episode mm -hmm. um, of a, of just of a, of a game discussion. So we kind of toyed with it being Bloodborne and and the Old Hunters DLC, or or I don't know if you just want to do the Old Hunters DLC only. Yeah. Um, but as like the first episode, because he, Brett did run a poll and it came up. And, you know, something in the back of my head, it was, I was thinking is like, hey, depending on the game, I could do a Saul plays and then you can see my real time thoughts in a let's play and then hear how it wraps up in the podcast. But the only thing about that is, is that I would it would bank on me knocking out the games in like a Saturday or something while recording. So I don't know how realistic that'll be. Yeah, maybe for games that I have played before, like Bloodborne, I think could probably be a decent one, even though it's been like four years, three years. It's been since the launch of Bloodborne. No. No, you platinum it after we started the That's show. what I was going to say is that it was the last time I played Bloodborne, so I guess I should see what my platinum date was. But that was the last time I fully played that game. Yeah. Um, I have beaten it since then, but I've beaten it in like a speedrun capacity, and that's using a certain route with certain weapons, and you're not exploring anything at all. So it's kind of one of those things that kind of could let us revisit something and kind of you know move forward and have good conversation about a game. And... 
at the same time, we can be playing, uh, we can let our patrons know and then they can play with us. And I think the way we could do it is, is that it could be maybe, I don't know if you want to talk about it on the show, but maybe one month exclusive patron content where one month later when the second episode comes out, that one will go on YouTube or something. I think that's something. the way I'd like to do it. Yeah. yeah. That way everybody, keeping with everybody our kind of can, idea, yeah. for the most part, everybody gets it. Uh, most of the content we do, if not all, and that's, uh, in, and, in, a, in a free capacity eventually. But yeah. And we did try this before. We tried it with PS Plus Pals. And the problem with PS Plus Pals was that it was almost never consistent with either A, games that we would want to play, um, and B, it was kind of a thing too where, almost like Reader Mail, like where the engagement started out heavily and then it faltered. And I'm not bl- putting blame on anybody for that. Um, reader re- mail is actually a big topic of discussion here. Yeah, reader mail is going to be back eventually. Um, just when I was getting used to my schedule now, and when I could do it, my wife's schedule is about to change up for work, and I got to see how that's going to work out. Uh, but yeah, it, it it almost became a thing. One of one of my driving factors in reader mail was that, and this is not about by, by bad means bad for any in any reason, but it was always the same three or four people giving us questions, and we never got any outside questions. Um, there wasn't a lot of community engagement in there other than the people, you know, that we love to talk to on discord on a daily basis and stuff. And I'm not saying that's a bad, that's a bad thing at all. Not, not saying that, but it, it, it never got the engagement we wanted to see. And it, it kind of just came one of those things like where, Hey, like I started a new job. That was a good time to put on a high ace because of the engagement and stuff of that nature. So I almost want to do reader mail differently. Um, and then that could be something like we're over. I don't want to go a month on that either <coughs> because one, two, one a month things doesn't seem like enough, but maybe every three weeks where we'll bank up questions and then, and then um, we'll go through certain amount of questions until it's like an hour and a half or something. Of course we're just doing this in real time on the show, but I actually think that two, one a month things make sense because it can be an episode per week. And then one of the month things will happen earlier in the month. Like it's still one a month, but we're doing them in a, in a weird breakout so you know at the start of the month we can do the previous month's games club thing get that out of the way that'll be that and then midway through the month which will also be its own month thing uh, about two two and a half weeks into the month we'll do the reader mail and that would be so you're saying consistent schedule between those where they're almost like they're um i'm i'm a little brain dead staggering yeah like yeah um so you're saying that they'll both be once a month things but we could have one come in the middle of the month and one come at the end or something yes that actually makes sense that that actually fills the month up with something let us let us know what you think about that guys and i think that's probably the way we're doing and uh the other thing i kind of want to know about that is my last uh bit (laughs) mixed craft oh man oh well we haven't had brain dead we haven't had an issue at all but if this episode starts in the middle, I don't know how well that'll work. Uh, we'll figure it out. This is this is only for backup, by the way. This is not you, you, you're going to see this at all at all probabilities. So the other thing here, um, of course, that I want to see is, uh, would you be okay with Reader Mail being a separate podcast that wouldn't necessarily for people that don't care about Reader Mail, it wouldn't blow up their uh, subscription for the podcast audio wise. Uh, if we did it as like a separate series that came out and it was just more of a overall reader mail, since it's not gaming specific, or would you rather see it be Triangle Squared branded reader mail that gets uploaded to the same Triangle Squared audio pool? That's a question I, I want to have answers to. So if you guys are interested in reader mail coming back, please take the time to answer that question for us. W- that is something we get a lot of words back an, about reader mail. So please, yeah. please give us your feedback on that. So we know just the best way to move forward I would when say, we do move forward. I would say that question is almost as important as participation in reader mail when, yeah. when, when time comes and I still, I don't know how we want to do that. I don't know if we want to like 
Because we used to, I'm sure you remember this, back when we did it during the episode, we put a tweet out, and then on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays, and then we would take all those questions and answer them. But what I'm thinking is, is that we need to find a place, maybe even do it email-based, so we know if this is going to be a Triangle Squared thing, we do Triangle Squared Reader Mail, and have you email us the question, so we have them all in one spot. Yeah. And we could just go through a list for, you know, say an hour, hour and a half or something, and then, then when we come back, we have, we delete all those emails out, we have a new inbox full of emails, and old emails too for questions we don't ever inevitably get to. But yep. that's something that we're gonna have to think about. And once again, please, 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 this is a call to action. Answer that question. Do yeah. you want it triangle squared base or do you want it separate? So that we're not just rambling on on things. I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and knock a couple of these in here about different things that people said. So go to Facebook Jones. first, because because Facebook. Okay. I, I'll handle. Fine. I'll do Ryan since she said his that's name. That's fine. I'll do that uh, real quick. But I want you to start at Facebook. You go ahead then. Uh, our good buddy Ryan said, "My own co- only complaint." ever is how long it takes to get to the show the first five to ten minutes is usually smattering of this is who we are and where to find us which i get is important but i think it could be narrowed up front and loaded out back at the end of the episode what would be would that would have the episode would be better okay well he's saying it would be better if we did it that way um he's saying you know narrow how much you say up front and then give more of that at the end at the end of the episode and would that be better yeah Uh, or he thinks it would be better um and I think that honestly, what we could do, short, quick little snippet about you know who we are at the beginning, like we did today, and then at the end, right before we introduce our patrons, they people can we will we'll then go in depth a little bit there. Yeah. So um, one thing I want to get just because the the flip side of that, I think, and I, I'm pretty sure what he means by that is how much we give on the like what kind of podcast we are, what we talk about, where you can find us. Particularly, I don't think he's necessarily uh, going on to the. Uh, the opening thing of where we, me and Saul kind of get into the, what have you been up to? What are you doing? Uh, what have you been playing? And uh, Mr. El Chabib over on uh, our discord, he says, um, and he has more than this, but he, in this in particular, he says, I would also continue with the banter initially uh, happening in the episode with the transition thereafter. Many podcasts do that. And it's a good way of knowing more about you guys and what happened with you in the last week or so going immediately into the news would make the episode very dry in my opinion. And I think he means dry and like a not very personable. Well, something else should be if maybe you can answer <coughs> me too, but if, if you can't, if we can't get a solid answer on this, El Chibib, let us know in discord. But um, I can't tell. Is he saying that he wants us to go immediately into the news? No, he's saying okay. that he wants us to continue our banter because it's it makes the show more personable. Uh, you're right. and yeah, it but gives. I, but but Ryan is saying you know clear off as much of the hey we are this podcast and this is where you can find us and this is what we talk about right. and do all that. So do exactly narrow what we did that today. stuff. So save three or four minutes exactly. So, and that's so, why. So the this is my com- first step. Yeah, break the, it down. The casual say who conversation we are. can start within the first two minutes of the episode at most and then yeah. then we can see the way he made it sound like though was about how we can carry the conversation into the the episode was i was it threw me off because then he said don't start with news i'm like well we don't start with news well so he's I saying tell, yeah he's saying don't immediately jump into the show with news right. and cut the casual gotcha. conversation yeah i don't want to cut the casual conversation dry. out yeah uh, so while we're on that i guess i'm actually going to read the rest of lcb go ahead you okay with that yeah okay. uh he says given that both of you guys lead busy lives outside of this podcast i understand how it is sometimes difficult to implement major changes but i would suggest the following more extensive research from both brett and saul about the subjects to have more engaging discussions between you both Creating something exclusive to the patrons to entice people to sub to you an extra episode every other week or so about a topic, gaming or not, that only patrons can vote for, which is actually very similar to what we were talking about with the Games Club. Yeah. So I think that that's probably going to 
kind of get that one. And he says, otherwise, I thank you guys. Uh, I think what you guys do is awesome, and I like the interaction Thank between you, both of you, especially on subjects that you both disagree on, which we actually we, – we hear that a lot. People like to people like it when we disagree because I think it leads to more interesting conversations. Yes, um, people love drama too. <laughs> though we though, – yeah, there's also that. Though we inadvertently somehow got stuck on Final Fantasy XV for – who who was it that said that? Uh, it- John, uh, Donovan over on uh, my, my really really long time friend Donovan. He said, "Why so much Final Fantasy 15? Because that's hey, that's what's going it's on. It's a joke, lives, buddy. I know, oh, I, know. I know he's joking. I know I've known Donovan. That, my but that's what's all. What's going on? What's but. going on in my life right now? Uh, yeah. It was. It's it, taking a hiatus. But, uh, but yeah, oh. I agree with what El Chabib said. Um, the only one thing. Let me bring it up real quick. Um, is the number one bullet point the more extensive research from both Brett and I about subjects? The only reason for that is that the way we film and the way the gaming industry works is it's almost impossible to get a topic on, say, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, even Thursday. Something could come up Friday or even Saturday, and then we're like, that should be our topic. And what I like the most, and I prefer it this way, is that we, we don't talk about it or research it much. Um, so that you guys can see our, our raw and, and, and complete conversation about it as if we were talking about it for the first time. Now, that is different. Granted, uh, I would guess I need a, an example on, on something you have in mind. Because typically, like when we talk about a topic, we, we pretty much we, we try to go to the sources of the topic on the show and then do it raw that way. Uh, and I think it is more engaging that way if we both came to the episode with bullet points in mind we used to do that at the very first time we did it i used to have a notebook of things i wanted to talk about about the topic it it, it was way to me it felt unnatural i didn't want it to feel rehearsed or anything of that nature that way that all the way all conversations could be sparked with with rawness and I'm saying raw a lot this episode. You are saying, but raw. Um, it can all be sparked with m- the most natural way a conversation can happen possible. Um, now, if you if you mean that there has been a time when we have talked about a subject that we, we were not educated on and we talked about it wrongly, let us know. I think that's fairly uncommon for that to happen, but I'm sure that if it does, whether it's in some capacity of you or I, then we correct each other and learn. We try, which is to. also yeah. fun in real time too, because mm-hmm. you can see us learning and creating, and or, I mean, learning and. And and educating each other, um, yeah. which would previously not been the thing. And I, I definitely just to back up on what Saul was saying there. I think I definitely agree on the uh, one of the things that I think you'll find when you see that we do not go back to the. We've had episodes where we've recorded and we've lost it due to audio. And one of the reasons that we don't go back and re-record it most of the time, and if we catch it early enough, we will try. But we found from the few times that we've done it. It really makes the episode stale. dry, boring, stale. It's not fun for us. The conversation feels stilted because we've already had these discussed these topics, and the aha moments of when you really think of the right way to put something in the first time is really lost on it the second time around. Um, so, because yeah, you can't yeah, it's, recreate it's a mix. it, uh, I think what we'll probably be able to do is as we start to do sh- uh, shows, like you know, as if we expand into like this uh, this gaming thing that we're talking about doing the gaming club. One of the things that you'll benefit from with that is the ability to have it where because we're doing something over a month and we already know what it is, playing the game acts as like a research. We're like we're getting a lot of time in with something before yes. we come into the table and doing it. It, it is a little harder to do that uh, in the world of news and ever moving things. So I think that maybe that's something that we are going to apply more so. Uh, I still want to try and apply it to this show where possible, but apply it to other shows 
a lot more where it makes more sense. And something in the direct vein of this is actually something Kiki said. So I'll go ahead and read his real quick. Um, he said on Twitter from both him and Vince, um, his boyfriend, he says more community interaction, which is reader <coughs> mail, which we kind of discussed a little bit about reader mail. He says more saw interaction via video looks disinterested most of the time. Now, two things. One, I have list, I have um, resting disinterested face. If somebody's talking to me about something and I'm listening, I'm typically staring off and I'm listening. I'm not, I don't, I, I'm weird with the way I interact in, in, in uh, conversations. Brett can vouch for me that even if we're at lunch, dinner talking, I'm sitting there staring off as I'm listening. I'm not typically looking at them or anything like that. Also, most of the time you'll catch me disinterested, if at all, is news. And that's why I wanted to change news up so bad because we stay involved with the news throughout the week. Um, uh, whether it's via browsing Reddit or Twitter or whatever. And I typically know everything. And since Brett's handling that, there's not much for me to kind of go on there. So I pretty much read through it with him or before. And then I'll typically sit there and I'll think about what he's saying. And then I'll think about any conversation points that may come up, but I'm not exactly disinterested. I'm just that, that that's not where my full attention is. Cause I'm focusing on something else. I'm thinking about, about the subject. Um, but then he says, try out live streaming on both Twitch and YouTube. And then he says, vlogs would be fun with YouTube with all the boys to get together and hang out. That, that's first not a bad all, idea. First of all, that's a, I, I, I've actually <laughs> said that before. We did a thing where... Um, the boys just got to hang out more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That Well, yeah, we don't hang out as often as you think we do. We hang out when we record, that's it. And that's unfortunate. I, I wish it wasn't. Yeah, but I've been very busy lately. So, I mean, I definitely take some of the brunt of that. Uh, do you remember, though, when we announced coming to a close. the winner of the Spider-Man case? It was my idea to film it on a, on a phone as if we were doing a vlog. Mm-hmm. And that was, I believe... Was it the midnight release for Spider-Man or the midnight release for God of War? I think it was the midnight release for Spider-Man okay. because we did it, it right 10 the, days in advance. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he also, but, but what he, he goes on to say about the vlogs and live streaming, he says, either streams or do highlights of y'all playing the worst rated games, more online presence, head to head gaming with consequences like a like loser has to eat a super hot pepper, drink a mystery drink and et cetera. Also this something is, we've spoken about. Yeah. This is all something to we, each other. we've technically done too uh, with the, the, um, Versus live stream we did. Yeah. But the problem with this is kind of what LGB mentioned is I would do this every single day if we didn't have full-time jobs. Uh, we both work, me and Brett both work exactly 50 hours a week, if not more. Um, that's how many hours were scheduled at work to, to work. Um, and it, it, throughout the week, it's really kind of hard to get together and have something planned without something in our life taking a hit personally. And that's one thing, like, that's why I want to get my wife's schedule set and live through that schedule for a while before we return to reader mail, because I don't know how that's going to work. Like, I don't know what day we would record on and, and stuff of that nature. I got to get used to living that life beforehand. Um, but yeah, typically, like, we both get home around 5, 530. Um, sometimes, very rarely for me, it's like 6, but it's very rarely. Um, and then I typically am awake for the next four and a half to five hours. And then I'm waking up, going back to sleep or waking up, then going back to work. But something that we could do throughout the weekend, you know, we talked about going to Dallas potentially one weekend soon, and that would be something kind of fun to vlog. We took pictures of playing laser tag that one weekend. We did that. So maybe something we could do like that when we, when we get the chance to hang out. But as far as live streaming goes, um, that's something we kind of have to plan out in advance. And we both have to plan out adequately. Um, technology does not like us when me and Brett try to stream. So we, we have had there, plenty of problems. There is, <laughs> I, I'll never forget, like, Saul plays Dark Souls happened 
or no, saw the full play for Dark Souls. We tried that like two months before we actually sat down and did it. And that was because we, we, we actually told everybody at one point, like, we're going live. And then we could not go live. Yeah. It was something. It was, there was always the same little issue we run into, whether it's between OBS, the Elgato, Elgato capture card, or the camera. And, but yeah, we, but that's, you know, once again, like, we're, we could kind of do everything we, we can within our time limits. It's just more about planning, creating, and getting to that stage of when we need to execute it. Um, and I, I think one of the big things is, like I said, I, I want to put some of this back on me, at least on the, the, the timing thing. Um, I, I, I will I, I'll agree with Kiki in one particular thing. So I think you on the platforms where you're there, it would be beneficial for you to probably kick up your social media aspect. Part of it is that Saul's not on Facebook, which yeah, is where not a lot of people Facebook. see. So that's just not going to happen. Um, but I also throughout the week, I cannot be on Twitter on my phone. <laughs> no, not during not during work. Yeah, for not absolutely during work. Sure. It's, I, it's a lot harder. I understand those things, but uh, and I've like, even slowed down. So used to I, I took a lot of that because uh, I had time, and I've not had time because I've been remodeling my house, painting almost every day as soon as I get home, texturing walls, doing all a bunch of ridiculous stuff, and I'm still not done. But also, uh, but my interaction, or I say my interaction, my presence in, in these things are there. Twitter, I do browse a little bit less because I browse Discord every day. Yeah, it's just there's not always conversations that I that you know just because there's a conversation happening doesn't mean that somebody should hop into it. And I, there's there's times where I've hopped into Discord to chat and stuff, but I read Discord every single day. And if there's new messages in a tab like um uh like like music or something, I will go look in there and see something. Like if it's something like you or Blake p- p- uh, posting music, I'll even give it a listen. But the thing is, is like typically it's not my kind of music, so I'm kind of like, oh okay. Like, I, but I don't have really nothing to say to that. I'm not, yeah. I'm not the kind of person just to, yeah. to have that conversation over something when they're, it's not needed. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, like I'm, I'm technically in discord every day. Um, multiple You're in times a discord a more than I am recently yeah. because I'm it's, definitely on weekends. It's like weekends used to be when I would hop on them all the time. Yeah. And now it's gotten to the point of where normally my Friday is all music and I can't be messing with discord while I'm doing that. Right. So it's like, I dedicate all my time to that. And we do that till about 12. I go to sleep, wake up and immediately go to my dad's work on the truck until about six. Yeah. Come home, spend time with my family as, as long as I can and get on a little bit. And then Sunday we record and used to, it was like record this and then hurry Turn up and, and like record, record that. And it's yeah. like, it used to be like, I was actually talking to Andrew at work the other day. It used to be, or maybe it was Trent, but it was somebody I was talking to. They're like, how long does it take you to record? And when I told him, I'm like, the episode may be an hour and a half, but we're there for like three, sometimes three and a half hours, setting things up, talking about the topic for like, or not the topic, the intro. And then, um, you know, just talking and hanging out when I leave, I'm like, it's not as, as easy and quick as the episode's length. Yeah. Um, People don't take into account for stuff like that, but yeah, I'm the only thing that the only thing with me is Twitter, and Twitter is the same as Discord. Unless I have something, I'm like, oh, that's a cool discussion to have. I'm not just gonna go on Twitter and post about my day or anything, just because I don't think to do that. Um, yeah. And also, you know, I, I I can't really do it during work, and then when I get home from work, I'm not gonna rant on Twitter about work or say how good work was. Uh, but also I did run that poll that I thought was fun. So I might be doing more of those. <laughs> See, that was, yeah, I think stuff like that will be the way yeah. to go about it. Polls will be fun to do, get more feedback from you guys on different things. Even if they're nothing to do with the show, just random thoughts about gaming or not gaming stuff. Also, so, I think my boy Spyro won that poll. So and all He did. All, yeah. And actually, we can, we can have that quick discussion real quick. Spyro would win. Spyro versus Crash. 
from a game perspective, crash all the way. Spyro. But from, a, from an actual, like, if you got those two together, yeah, Spyro just Spyro has on both of them too many benefits. But, Love you know. Spyro. Uh, anyway, just to not go too far on one thing, uh, this one's a fun joke one from Mr. Josh Drago. He says, oh God. we need Triangle Squared Showgirls holding signs up saying subscribe and hit the like button. I know you guys have a strip club by your house, so you use the Patreon account. <sighs> we do. Another idea is having a voting contest for Fan of the Week. And I actually do like this one. And what I don't like about the show is that every podcast you guys mentioned me being either an asshole or a Debbie Downer. Uh, we just joke with you, Josh, just like you do with us. But <laughs> he, he put laughing signs after that. I mean, but yeah, that's good. Um, take your turkey spaghetti somewhere else. Yeah, take your turkey spaghetti and run with it. Uh, Donovan Williams, my longtime buddy, says, Everything is great. Please don't follow the suggestion given by Josh Drago. He hasn't seen the strip clubs near your house. <laughs> I'm still at all that there's strip clubs near your house. I don't know that there are. I think that those are secret ones. That I've never been to a strip club. We've talked about that before, but you know, it's just, I feel like it's something that you got to do at least once. Not in my life. jam. So I'm going to work on that. And I may very well find that it's not my jam. I don't know. Um, Mr. Josh Ayers, one of our uh, friends and patrons, which so is Donovan. Uh, but uh, Josh says, you guys are doing great. Love the show. Saul needs to figure out his mic arm, but you guys are trying. Keep oh no, dude, my, my mic arm changes as much as I move. And that's a lot. I'm yeah. one of those people that I can't sit down and these chairs, not to knock bread or anything, but these chairs aren't exactly the most comfortable chairs to sit in for like a long period of time for me and my, my whack ass body. But uh, that's why you just saw me like probably in the past 30 minutes, I got up twice and stretched because my butt's getting numb. But yeah, like I will change the way I'm sitting and all that stuff. So yeah, I will be moving my mic arm a lot. I don't Saul's, think I can change. Saul's got a bougie butt. Yeah, my butt's, too, my, my butt's too bougie. I'm going to knock out the rest of these real quick. Over on Discord, our patron and good friend Atlas Unchained said, 150 episodes, hot dang, that's impressive. Not going to lie. What I don't like, I missed the drop, honestly. It might seem a bit humdrum in a way, but it reminds me of games I was interested in or might look into. I also lament the reader mail uh, as they were pretty entertaining. And again, we are working on that. Uh, what I do enjoy about the podcast is you, Yen's guys. Oh, man. You're using that good... Uh, Using that good local dialect. I love it. Uh, Ian's guys, banter and personalities. I like the game-specific episodes and hearing the news as well as your takes on it. Overall, I feel my Patreon is well spent, and new episode uh, days make work much more enjoyable. I think it'd be cool if you guys did a a once-a-month-or-so game-centric episode, a deeper dive kind of thing. But here's to another 150, boys. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Ron, I appreciate that, man. I think that we have one more. Right, this one right here, or do we have something else on Facebook? No, Facebook's done. So I think that's all the interaction we got. I posted this late. I'm sorry about well, that. Well, it's not like that, but our good buddy, Sean Neo, he actually tweeted at us with the community's oh, yes, take before we actually had a chance to post it. He said, I find it really funny when you two get into a debate over minor things and both are adamant that they are right. The biggest thing I miss is the reader mail. I can't explain why, but my favorite topic in all podcasts, followed by the news and rumors. So once again, this is another call to action. We get a lot of things about missing reader mail. All that I can say is that if you... Want it back in its glorious form. Ask those questions when we post them. And get other people. Tell Hey, tell other people. Hey, man, this podcast I listen to, ask them a wacky question. We'll answer wacky questions all day, every day. <laughs> get other people to help us out with that. Um, the thing about Reader Man that was fun is like it was no holds barred. Like Yeah, it was It was one of the ones like Dick is Shit Best or like where we didn't. It was not intended like for a lower-aged audience. So like we could we could go into weird things like Josh Drago used to, do, t- would, used to have us talk about and stuff. And it was really fun. And I was a fan of the way we record Dick Shit Bass because it's so open-ended and that there's not much going on with it. And that's what I kind of wish this did. Um, but at the same time, that's what Reader Mail was. So I miss doing Reader Mail. 
But it, I would say that if I had to put a month on it, like a solid month, I'm going to say look, look around for it in May. Is it's it's far out? I know because we're at the end of February, but that gives me two months technically um, to live through what my wife's new schedule is going to be, and that'll also give us time to get some ideas in the works on how questions are going to be asked and answered and stuff, and get enough feedback on how we should be doing it. So. I would say I'm just gonna spitball that out there. And say May, um, maybe earlier, maybe later. Don't know yet, but May seems like that. You know, two months for me with a new schedule for like seeing how my wife's gonna be living around. Not much realistically should change, but I thought that when it flipped to this one and that did drastically change how we hung out. So I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, I think now, uh, first of all, thank you everyone who, who gave us feedback on the show. Uh, and of course we are always open to that feedback. So if you ever have any thoughts on what we could do better to make the show more enjoyable for you, please tell us, or if you listen to us on a podcast service and you're not one for social media, but you have an account to log into that podcast service like iTunes or something, give us a review that lets us know what you do and don't like. You can do that at any point in time. Uh, but we're going to do like we did last week and kind of just go into news in a real open discussion manner. And we're probably going to save one of them for the last discussion just because it's what we cold opened with. But we are trying to make the show a little less structured in a way that it's still structured but it feels more open and flowing so first thing on here and i'm actually i'm curious to your thoughts on this one saul because i just think it's a a cool idea um but also i don't even know if it's something that i necessarily care about this is more of in terms of i think i'll try it but it's a cool idea either way. So in a community-oriented move, PlayStation have revealed the PlayStation Player Celebration event that started February 18th as far as being able to register for it. As a celebration of over 100 million PS4 sales, the event urges players to sign up for the event, and once they have, a goal period will start. Per goal period, players will be tasked with playing as many different games within the period as they can and earn as many trophies as they can if the goals are met. Uh, players who participated will get exclusive rewards as each goal is met. So essentially what's going on is everybody's going into a pool. So like the first goal I think is to play 175,000 different games um, for goal one and earn so many trophies. Uh, now playing the game, there's some rules on it. It's like you have to play the game for at least an hour yeah. um, for its account. And uh, you want to do as many of those as you can uh across this time period uh and like the first set of goals if you reach it is like a free static theme and a free um maybe an avatar uh, or something like that and then the next set if you hit them it's five avatars and then the last one is a, a dynamic theme it's not like they're crazy rewards but it's a fun idea that speaks to one of the things i said last episode uh, or it might have been the one before that, where I was talking about Sony and why I think PSX is actually ultimately a lot more important to me and I think a lot of people for Sony. And that's because in this generation, the generation started with them having a lot of social media presence, a lot of outreach within the community and people just kind of feeling a good community vibe from Sony where it seemed like the company was always reaching out and always involved. Um, and that's kind of shored up as PSX has kind of gone away, sadly. Uh, and as we don't see Shuhei and them tweet as often, though, that's actually started to change a little bit. I think maybe Shuhei's new position uh, has given him a little more freedom and time, uh, which is the thing you need the most <laughs> uh, to do these things. Um, but I think this speaks to that. It's like a way to go out and, and have events that speak to the community and have the community interact uh, potentially and go out and... I just think it's a, it's a neat idea. There's plenty of people who are not going to be involved with this, but for the people that care, this is a good, fun way for Sony to just appear like 
they're paying attention and wanting to do stuff within the community as celebrations and whatnot. So, um, what do you think about that, Saul? I think it's cool. I hope their avatars and stuff are as cool as the ones they did for the um, checking your your time on your PlayStation Year thing. Yeah, because those avatars are pretty cool. I'm glad they did that. I thought that was another cool idea. It's like you know, the year before you just got to see all your fi- your feedback. But now there was like an extra incentive for people to check it out. And yeah. it was like more personalized because it's like, well, which one did you get? I played mostly action adventure. I got the action adventure one. I played a lot of shooters. I got the shooter one. I think I think technically you can get all of them. I think you can. but I, th- I think you had to do surveys after that or something. Yeah. But either way, I just liked how much more personal it felt as like, oh, here's a reward for it. But also this is something that looks at what you did and you get what you got based off of what you played, which feels like, ah, okay. It's a personalized avatar in a way. Yeah. Pretty which cool. Which I thought was, was, was fun. Um, next thing up, this is really cool. No Man's Sky continues to be the gift that keeps on giving with a recent update called the Living Ship Update. It adds a series of missions that culminates in the ability to incubate, grow, and eventually fly an organic ship that is procedurally generated, making each ship unique. The whole game is procedurally generated, so not surprising there. Uh, This update adds some more smaller things into the game as well, but you can check it out now. It is live. Um, You know, last week we talked about Anthem, Mm -hmm. and one of the games that we kept bringing up in relation to what we think, you know, to one of the ways that Anthem could go, and what I think both of us landed on personally thinking Anthem should probably do, is that meet in the middle between what Destiny and Final Fantasy XIV did, and kind of do the No Man's Sky. A free update that does take a little bit longer than, than you would have liked, but brings the game back in such a way that it's amazing that they just keep doing this and that every bit of this has been free. Yeah. I think that, and, and, and you know, you saw the value of the game shoot up too for when it when you could buy it at GameStop for like, oh, was it $2 or $5? Actually, Years? No Man's Sky never got as low as, um, as Anthem. <laughs> Thankfully, what was but it Anthem? was very cheap. It was like ten. Anthem has been five dollars for that, a long. That time. That might be what I was thinking of. Then maybe I got them confused. But yeah, it, now you now it's like still thirty bucks to use now. Yeah, but that is the new price because the demand for the game has gone up so much more. So congratulations, what, Hello Games. That goes towards things like how certain games, like you'll see Grand Theft Auto, which of course does it in a different way. But you know, I think one of the that goes to show like Grand Theft Auto staying relevant this generation, uh, despite being a last gen game and it's still relevant through the end of this one. Yeah. Um, a lot of that speaks to the online updates and because of those online updates and that you see the used price constantly fluctuate. Yeah. It's still the, uh, well, I'd say it's, it's, it doesn't fluctuate much though. It doesn't anymore, but for a long time it did, even with it being a four or five year old game, you'd see it go down some months to like, Twenty four ninety nine used, and then like um, uh, something big would happen with the online forty nine dollars, and suddenly used it's like forty something dollars. Yeah. yeah, it's it's weird, uh, and I think also it probably depends on the demand of the new game because you know they they still sell the game new, um, which actually it goes on sale often digitally, but I think the digital price for that game is still sixty dollars, so they're making money hand over fist. Uh, no Man's Sky is. I don't know. It's interesting that they keep doing this with pretty much the only reward they'll get out of it. The only benefit they get out of it is hopefully somebody else buys the game new. Yeah. Because of this. And then they have the added benefit of helping the the majority or reinforcing the majority of the community who still played and would like to come back. So uh, next thing up, uh, we've seen very little from Baldur's Gate 3 since Larry and the team behind the Divinity games that we actually talked about earlier uh, announced the game with a fittingly cryptic reveal trailer, but that changes soon. The game will be showcasing in-depth gameplay at PAX East. You can tune in February 27th at 3.30 EST to get a look at the game. 
Uh, oh, I'm just laughing at, at that. But um, that's his bio. But uh, I'm actually super excited to hear more about that because I love Larian. Um, if you want a really story-rich uh, game, go to go see Divinity for that. Um, also, <coughs> I don't know how true this is because I can't really remember that well, but I think every single character in Divinity is voice acted. Divinity, Divinity 1 2. 2. Yeah, I think Divinity 1 was a smaller scale game because they've been making Divinity since like as a series. It didn't catch on until very recently, but they've been making Divinity as a series since like 2002. Yeah, Divinity is amazing. Divine Divinity was like the first game. And I remember there was a game called Divinity... Ooh. I'm trying to remember the name of it, actually. It was a it was a 360 game. And I remember when I worked at GameStop, I'd always see it and the case looked cool. But I didn't have a 360. I was just like, eh, it might not be good. Because there was a lot of games that had cool looking cases that were not very cool. Um, it had a white case. It was like... And there was Divinity Draco something. There goes right there. That's one of them. Divinity 2, but not Divinity Original Sin 2. Yeah. That's the difference. See, we, it's funny how games end up doing this thing where the naming structure comes back around to where you get confused as to which one you're talking about. The Dragon Knight Saga. Yeah. See, you can't even... When you're talking about, like... Um, I was just talking about earlier. Um, how am I going to forget this? Yeah. Okay, my brain is bad today. I apologize. I'm, I'm hopped up on Sudafed. So I'm technically on meth. <laughs> I'm not on meth. Um, and it's not even working that well. Dang Sudafed. Uh, but yeah, naming conventions get weird. It, it, you, it shouldn't be that you have to say... Didn't I tell you to go get Zyrtec that day? You told me to get Sudafed. Okay, I can't remember if I told you to get Sudafed. I thought we had a conversation about Sudafed. I swear I said, go get Zyrtec. I said, you. should I get Allegra? And you said, no, get Sudafed. Okay, maybe, Your I'm, exact maybe I'm thinking of somebody else then. Because I just now realized that. There was somebody else I told to go get Zyrtec D. And, and you told I, me at to first get I was like, oh boy, I smack him in the head for not listening. <laughs> anyway, uh, next thing up. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Doesn't really matter too much. But Baldur's Gate exists in that same realm as we're talking about Larian. Baldur's Gate 3 is coming. And it's funny, right now when you talk about Baldur's Gate, depending on who you're talking about, They'll think that you're either talking about Baldur's Gate 1 or 2, which are very old PC games, which did actually just come to console. Or they think you're talking about the PS2 era, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 1 and 2. Yeah. And it's funny that you have to like do all this individual things because... The naming convention's weird. I guess as gamers, we just get to the point of everybody found out, everybody knew about Divinity, right? So it's like Divinity Original Sin. But now we're going to call Divin- Divinity Original Sin 2 just Divinity 2 even though Divinity 2 already exists it's a game that came out in like 08. Right? Ego Draconis. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, eh, I've you know. I've never heard of this. The game, like what I said, is this the game? case art looked really cool. Divinity 2. What about that game? Is this just like different Focus, Focus Home Interactive did that? What is this? Eidos? I don't know. No, that's oh, Focus. Focus Home You're Interactive. Right. I don't know. But it's so weird because then this Divinity 2 right here is Atlas in focus. I don't know, man. That's so confusing. (laughs) I can't tell you how these things worked, uh, but there you are. Um, This one is really, really interesting. um, But 
Also, I'm really glad to hear it. After months of hearing little to nothing about Biomutant, Developer Experiment 101 has gone to Twitter to confirm that the game has not been canceled. It is very much alive and well and will get a release date when the studio feels confident about a uh, a ready game being able to hit said date. Um, I like the way that they're getting this freedom. Uh, I was really curious to see from a publisher standpoint what kind of publisher relationship with the studios we got out of THQ Nordic. Uh, considering they're buying all these different games, there's a part of me that wants to go buy that and play it because I just want to see what it was like, you know. Uh, but anyway, um, great on on Biomutant. I, I'm glad that THQ apparently THQ Nordic. Uh, actually, I think they've changed names again. <laughs> but goodness, whatever. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but with that, I think they've changed parent companies again. Is what it is. But I think they still publish under THQ Nordic. But. Um, the thing about Biomutant is it got a lot of really good buzz after they showed it. And what I'm wondering is if I'm wondering if this is more of a, just a THQ Nordic wanted to be a publisher who understands that some of these not so triple a budget games anyway are not as expensive to make. So why not try and give developers if they really think they can push it and they've given no reason not to trust it. Why not give them the chance to just prove themselves? Yeah. Um, I think that we've seen that, you know, I spoke a lot of high praises towards Focus Home Interactive for what they did throughout this past year. And what I really mean by that is that you saw them come back around with a lot of franchises uh, and you've seen them grow a lot as a publisher. And it seems like a lot of that came down to being more risky with what they're willing to fund teams with. Funding teams and giving them enough money to make good games with actually pretty in, like pretty good um, graphical fidelity and, and, and engine systems and be as as bugless as possible. Um, and speaking towards like Greedfall, a game by Spiders, who almost every game they had made before was not very pretty. Uh, I actually I saw about that game. Greedfall. Yeah, I installed it yesterday, and I, I haven't played. You're gonna it yet. enjoy it. I just know it. But uh, yeah, so I. We've seen Focus Home turn. The Surge was a game that was all right received, but it was kind of bland for a lot of people, me included. Uh, there was a long-running joke that The Surge is Saul's favorite game. Yeah. But that's just I a joke. It. The game really is not awful. It no. just wasn't good either. It, it didn't stand above anything else. Um, but even though I haven't played it, the the actual talk and uh, reception around the surge too has been phenomenal. And I think that's because focus home has been like, Hey, if you give these people time and, and creative um, freedom to an extent, you can really get some great products. So if THQ Nordic is doing the same here, sees the really good feedback that Biomutant gets, or if this is just their normal way of doing it, I'm glad to see THQ letting them just build and build away as they need to. Uh, I've talked, we talked about Biomutant a lot, but you know, I don't, how interested were you in that game just from what you saw? Or is it a little, a little, like you're interested, but not necessarily. Yeah, like I'm interested in, and kind of, like I'm not really excited for it, but I'm interested in it. Hmm. Well, yeah, it's, I don't know. It just seems like one of those games that screams that it's going to have a unique charm that I don't think anything else around it's going to have. Yeah. And I guess that that's what excites me because that's what's been exciting me a lot this generation. But I, I really, how many double A games have you played this gen? Um, Really, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, I, I played a lot this gen that have really surprised me. Vampire was great. Lords of the Fallen. Lords of the Fallen. You did play Lords of the Fallen. Um, so I, I, it's more of a curiosity. 
I, I'm wondering if your excitement toward these types of games when you see them will start to buck up if you play more AAA or AA games that you really enjoy. Like whenever, if you ever get around to Call of Cthulhu and you really enjoy it, and if you play Greedfall and you really enjoy it, and like you you liked Vampire but you were playing on computer, so now you're going to try and go back and play on Xbox. One thing you had mentioned, yeah. Uh, if you ever get around to playing Plague Tale, I wonder if you played these games. Really Plague Tale is also them. free on Games Pass. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so great game too. So. Point being, I, I, I'm wondering if uh, your opinion's going to somewhat my, alter on that my, after you play a little bit more of these games. My brain doesn't really take in any of that. Like, whenever I get excited for a game, it's just more of like, hey, this game looks really good. Or, hey, this game looks really interesting. And it just falls into, hey, this game looks really interesting kind of category. I guess for me, it's like, it's a, at what point do you know when you're buying a game day one? Uh, just, it's, it's so many variables in that, like... Does this game have some charm and style to it that I know I'm gonna love? Uh, is the game the right price? Um, does this game is this game gonna be story based or is it gonna be like uh, gameplay based? And is the gameplay gonna be any good? Stuff like that. Okay. How far ahead of and it, 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 of course it's a little different on series that you absolutely know, but how far ahead of a normal game do you know that you're gonna get at day one? Like if it's if it's a game that you at least have some kind of relationship with the publisher and it's not necessarily a series you've loved, love, love, or it's a new IP or something. When do you feel? Is it normally closer to release that you honestly know that you're going to get it day one, or is this something that you are able to decide on some games as early as six to eight months ahead? Because if, it, if it's a, if it's from a, a developer that I love, and I, and it's it's like Elden Ring is a perfect example day one, and I haven't even seen gameplay of that, but I know it's from Miyazaki and I love his work, so I know I'm going to enjoy it at least somewhat. Like I enjoyed uh, Sekiro somewhat. So and it was worth the sixty dollars. So I'm gonna get it. Um, but other games like that, I'm actually trying to think of a good game example for that. Like some games that I see, they fit into a perfect category of like I won't get that day one, not because I dislike the game or anything, but because that game would be great to play in a lull because I'm interested in what I'm playing now, and it could be an older game or something. Yeah, and then you also get the added benefit of it being cheaper. Yeah, yeah. When you and, go to get it, and I think I've said uh, last week, but like pretty much any Square Enix game that comes out at this point, like I'm going to wait on it and see, like, especially if it has a season pass or a DLC model of any kind, I'm going to wait on it unless it's it involves multiplayer, and I'm going to have people I'm playing with day one. But games like Final Fantasy VII, I told Sean this yesterday. I'm waiting until Part Two gets a release date before I buy that game because there's no point in like I, we don't even know when it's going to come out. So yeah, like, I'm, true. I'm, just that it has nothing to, i love fall fantasy 7 i love the world i love the characters and i'm looking forward to what they're doing with what they're doing but i'm not looking forward to not knowing when we ought to finish up and that's one of the things that like playing them as they kind of come out closer and closer like that is going to be worth it for me more okay. so so here's here's just a, a, a little question around that so so you love near automata and you came to it well you kind of came to it later like you bought it day one but you didn't play it play yes. it later. so does near automata is let's say near gets another sequel Okay. Where do you stand on it? Because it's not because it's a different developer and not not from a actual Square Enix developer. Would you well, be willing to buy? It's, like, let's say it's Platinum Games. If it's Platinum, then yeah, game. I'll still buy it day one. Yeah, it's a, but, it's just a curiosity but, because it, it, I have that too. Like, right where you get certain developers that you still really love, despite the fact that they are under a publisher that you don't necessarily I mean, love. I still love Square Enix and I love the games that they do. I just don't agree with their practices. I don't. Well, think that's what I mean. Yeah. It, it, you're you're at a crossroads with Square at the moment. So for the most part, you're going to be like, I'm still going to play their games so that I can enjoy them, but I'm going to do so in a way that's at my own leisure and potentially at my own benefit of cost. But yeah. other games, when you see them, it's like, oh, I really like that. How There's a lot of people 
with like EA, where they're like, well, I, but I won't die, I won't buy it day one, or I won't buy it new at all. I'll, I'll only buy it used, right? Because I love the game, but I don't want to support. It. It's it's interesting how much dislike for a publisher can really harm a game. Yeah, I don't really have publishers I blacklisted mentally, like where I'm like, I'm not going to play any of their games anymore. I have Nor publishers I, that I thankfully I like disagree with, and I'm like, I, I, I kind of like Square is a perfect example. Like, I, I love the games they put out, and they're all quality games. Sometimes it just takes them a while to get to that state. Like Final Fantasy 15 for me, it took a while for it to be of any quality, and I don't agree with how it did. But now that it's benefited me in the sense that I waited and I got it for free, I can't really complain about it anymore. So true, yeah, true. Even though we spent two episodes somewhat complaining about it. Hey, Donovan, you want more Final Fantasy 15 talk? Because, boy, uh, I got it. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, in comparison to January. And th- I find this one just interesting. It's part of why I put it here. In comparison to January 2013, the last year of the PS3 360 console cycle, this January was not as kind to either PS4 or Xbox One in what is, presumably, unless there is some kind of a weird delay, the last uh, year of the console cycle for PS4, Xbox One. Uh, and I think that this is, it, it, it's kind of interesting how drastically lower it is, um, but it's just one month. It's, it's not necessarily telling of the entire last year, but there's a couple of things that I think might be to play for this, and I'm curious as to what you think some of them are. I think one of the biggest things is people have reached a fever pitch that we've talked about a lot of time of excitement around the upcoming consoles and the reason I even bring that up and why I think it's important as to why people aren't buying the existing consoles at this particular moment at the same rate uh, is because unlike in 2013, when all we kept hearing from the from everybody was that consoles were dead, mm-hmm. the future of consoles is so unsure that it didn't really, it was like, well, I, I like console gaming and my PS3 that I got at launch maybe just broke. So I don't know if there's going to be a PS4. I'm just going to go ahead and buy another PS3. Well, well, my perfect thing is for this is that wasn't uh, the Game Awards? They were in early December or late November. Uh, December. Okay. Yeah, they were early. Yeah, mid December. Okay, so we got the Xbox One X reveal or Series X reveal. We know that there's a new Xbox coming out. We know that there's a new PlayStation coming out. So if your say your console breaks down or something of that nature, you're not going to buy a new one unless you just have the cash. I've seen people say that on Reddit, like, "Well, I'm waiting to play so and so until PS5 comes out because my PS4 is broken." Yeah. And at first, it's like, "Well, why?" But oh, it has backwards compatibility. So yeah, that does work. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is that like nobody's buying them, and 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 most of the casual people already have their system of preferred choice, so they're not getting them for Christmas. You're going to have that small subsection of people who are now old enough to play a PS4 that get them for Christmas and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have patient gamers, but I think the bigger thing here is primarily the Black Friday sales aren't great that great anymore compared to like, I mean, well, I mean they were, but I mean when you look back at the Spider-Man PS4, that was an exclusive kind of bundle that you got for two hundred dollars. Yeah, people got that, and then now it comes out three years, two years later, and they they already got it. They don't need it again. So yeah. like that, you know, so many people already bought these systems that, that you're just you're going to see a natural decline. Yeah, I think that, the, and and, I, and that speaks to the other thing that I was thinking is that you know. As much as people were buying them at that same point in the PS3 360 life cycle, both systems were about at 80 million. Uh, PlayStation obviously makes sense that they'd be slowing down because they're already well over 100 million. Yeah. So there's obviously less people potentially. Uh, and it, it depends because gaming's grown, but it's grown in a lot of different ways. Um, 
there's there's people who have already got the console that need it, and then you have people like Josh whose system broke and he just bought a slim uh, to hold them over, yeah, and probably bought it used. It's not going to count as a new sale, you know. It's like all those things come into play. Is there's more used consoles out there due to the fact that there's more consoles sold, even though in a weird way, the Xbox numbers and the PlayStation numbers, you know, in the PS3 360 Gen, they were both about 80 million, so you had essentially 160 million consoles out there, right? Mm -hmm. Well, right now with PlayStation, you have about 106 to 107 million, and there's a lot of estimations with Xbox One. It's hard to tell, but somewhere in the ballpark of like 50 to 60 million, maybe more, maybe less. I don't know exactly, but we're going to just say it's 60. You have the same number of consoles out there split differently. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing for me is... They started talking about next gen so much earlier this generation, whereas like going back to 2013, in January of 2013, no one knew that there was going to be a PS4, Xbox One. They didn't. The reveals hadn't happened. I'll still yet. blame that on the market crash that happened. Well, in in 08? yeah. Well, maybe. People I mean, it's definitely. But I think it. I think a lot of that came down to the the still the idea of the constant. Uh, phones will kill consoles. Consoles are dead. This well, is the end of consoles. I think that people said that because they wanted that to be the case because that they were having to refinance houses or or they, they were having problems affording their house at that point so they couldn't afford it. So they're like, I have this smartphone. I, I hope this is now the new thing because for me, like I, I didn't own a house back then. You know, I, I was in 2008, I was like 17. Yeah, 17. So like for me, it was just like, I never once thought that. I thought people claiming that were stupid. Like I, I never well, once in my life thought, oh, it was the industry. That's thing. the weird thing, right? I don't remember ever really hearing very many people who were hobbyists of gaming say that. Well, no, that's, it was that's, people that's, like Michael Pactor and all these people who make uh, predictions, and their yeah. predictions were bold and clearly I wrong. I think, think they were doing it just for attention. Because I remember, I think it was IGN that posted an article in two thousand twelve, maybe thirteen, saying that. that Saying that, um, and I don't remember who it was, but um, I wonder if I can find it. They were saying that console generations that we were at the last one. I'm like, you're you're stupid if you think that. You cannot take a tradition that's been going on for well for 20 years and just abruptly say it's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, as quickly as they were thinking, you'd see it fade out in a different way. I think that as well. But either way, console sales are down as more and more people are excited for new ones. I think that that's probably the bottom line of what it is, and people know more about it. And backwards compatibility and knowing about it this early on is a big deal. You know, even even in June, there was a reason to buy PS3 if there were new PS3 games coming out that you wanted to play. Because even if you were going to get PS4, if your PS3 broke, you still needed a PS3 in the in-between because your PS4 wasn't going to play the games anyway. So backwards compatibility does a lot to this. And I think streaming coming in, I wonder how much that's genuinely going to impact it moving into the next generation. I don't think streaming has anything to do with these number drops. Google Stadia has obviously not had that kind of a effect um and it just you know if anything microsoft's um whatever what, what, what's microsoft's called again um for what cloud x cloud x cloud yeah how could you forget that i'm telling you my brain's not working right right now uh but anyway i microsoft's are all almost tied into still having a computer or a console already and tapping into a system that you already had games for so yeah i, I just think that this is clearly people very excited and wanted to hold their money to save towards the next system. Um, last thing I have up on here uh, before we go into the final thing we'll actually be talking about is the creators behind, and I bring this up because we talked about Need for Speed last episode uh, and how the game series is going back to Criterion, who are, of course, 
known for the Burnout series. So the original creators, and I mentioned this last uh, week, the original creators behind Burnout and the Criterion studio left, um, and they actually formed their own new studio, Three Fields Entertainment. Uh, and last year, uh, April, they put out a game called Dangerous Driving. It was like 30 or $40. Uh, it was essentially... Uh, for. It was essentially a, a smaller scale burnout because it was an independent studio doing it without a backing from EA. Uh, the game apparently did well enough that they they have seen fit to go ahead and announce that there will be a Dangerous Driving 2 that will be launching this holiday season for current gen consoles and PC, of course. And that includes Switch. Um, it's going to be weird seeing two different Criterion style games or really one Criterion game that is not Criterion in style at all and then one game that's not Criterion that is a Criterion in style completely. Yeah, that's um, going to be weird. I didn't play Dangerous Driving, pr- mostly because of the cost, and I was just a little unsure of what it was going to do. If I can catch that game on sale, I might actually pick it up. I like Burnout. I thought it was a great series. I think it's always done really well with a lot of different things, uh, and it spoke to its own strengths, whereas Need for Speed had their own strengths, like you know, customization and really making you feel part of the the little area that you know the racing scene and being involved in that when burnout was kind of like there's a bunch of crazy stuff happening you can go really super fast they do well with sense of speed and you can wreck people and it's just fun yeah. they're not really worried about what your car looks like you're not going to do much to change what your car looks like it's more about well you can change the color and then you're just going to be going fast in this car and wreck other cars like it's each game focused on different strengths and i really i would love to see dangerous driving actually become a burnout like thing since ea seems like they're just going to sit on burnout um one of the things that Sean Wanio, uh, we talked about earlier, one of our friends and patrons mentioned, is he would love to see EA actually get to where they're cycling those out to where uh, one release year you're going to get a burnout game and then the next year you get a Need for Speed game. That way they they have a racing game every year, mm-hmm. but they're still giving each team time to work on them across and there's such different styles of games yeah. that you you know you wouldn't be fatigued in the same way you were back when they were making a Need for Speed game every year. Uh, some people do get serious fatigue, though, or not serious fatigue, but genre fatigue. That's true. So now, like, I, mean, I would it be still depends of... on how different they are. Yeah, you know, it depends on how much burnout as a as it came back would try and pick up on anything that Need for Speed did. Because you could easily get tired of racing games, you and can. Criterion can hit that too hard. By the way, the article I was talking about was in 2012, and they went through <coughs> the entirety of like one of the headlines inside the article is I'm sorry for all the coughs. People. Where are the new consoles? And I'm just like, dude. Like you had, you had like technically a year before you realized they were even out. And they were going down, breaking down everything, and talking about the economy and stuff. And I'm like, y'all, are, like you're. I guess it's a perfect example of living in a time and thinking so hard about something because you're so used to so many short gaps between consoles that we haven't seen one yet. So everybody immediately also rushed to. There's not going to be any more home consoles because the economy that happened four years ago, and now we have this, and it was just panic for no reason. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd say no reason, but clearly panic that... No real reason. It came down to... I yeah, I, yeah your, your best example there was just that, you know, we finally had a generation that was like eight years long, and everybody was like, eight years is too long. So, eh, is what it is. It's just an interesting thing that that comes down to. Um, and I'll be really I curious... I have a brilliant idea. Four-year console lives where the, the new consoles come out the day after the uh, United States elections. <laughs> 
are you bummed about the political state? Buy a new console. <laughs> that would be such a very odd choice of, uh, of a campaign to go through. All right, getting on the last thing that we uh, teased in the cold opening is despite confirming plans for PAX East recently, we talked about it last week, I'm pretty sure, maybe the week before. Um, this past week, Sony announced that they would be pulling out of the event due to concerns revolving around the ever-increasing spread and impact of the coronavirus. Uh, a few days later, Sony announced that they would also be skipping GDC for the same reason, and they weren't alone in that one as Facebook and Oculus also uh, pulled out, stating the exact same reasons. Um, and that leads me to an interesting thing about this, too. Which is crazy to me. Oculus said that all of their uh, things they were going to show off are just going to be done in an online video, which brings me right back to the, th- the, the thought of, with Sony backing out of events due to coronavirus concerns, and that's reasonable, definitely <sighs> considering that... Very reasonable. Uh, in, you know, the Asian territory, where it's really heavy right now, it's not it's not minimized in any Asian territory. So the more you start to come over these, and there's a lot of manufacturing things going on with that, with this being in China originating and all that, um, it, it's it's clear that this would have more of an impact on a company that's outside of the United States than it would somebody like Microsoft, who's safely within the U.S., uh, to be able to just go and attend events. There are people that will have to be sending from global places, people from Japan, people from uh, Europe, that will have to be coming over here, uh, and you risk spreading... Uh, you 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 risk your employees getting these things if not being the cause of a spread. It's just safer to not do these things. And as much as it's unfortunate that Sony's not doing this, I don't think there's any deeper meaning. I think some people are looking at this as Sony trying to use this as an excuse to just get out of something. I don't think Sony would have been so gung-ho about announcing that they were going to do it just to a week later say that they couldn't. It is weird, though. Like, in my eyes... Timing like, was hell. Timing, yeah. <laughs> the timing of that's too... like. You announce it, and then at what point after the announcement in that one week time period was there talks to cancel? And was there was there ever my, my, my thing is, and we'll ever never ever know. But what I'm curious about was there an ever an effort to still go, but to have made it so that it would have been like Microsoft, like maybe had some of the U.S. Um, teams come out instead and set up and pick the slack up yeah, from the U.S. side. But I, mean, like, I don't we don't know if that ever because you know Microsoft's still going. Uh, Facebook's weird pulling out with Oculus. I don't understand that. That 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 to me is really weird. Like I almost feel like if anybody was curtailing an excuse, they were curtailing Sony. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that, um, that one was more interesting to me. Sony is following suit and canceling a second event for the same consistent reason. And when is GDC? And it makes sense. And then Sony's coming over, and or then Facebook comes over and says, "Hey, you know what? We're pulling out too." I, I mean. Clearly, a lot of tech development goes on in the Asian territories in terms of building it and everything. So who knows as to the reasons why. But I wonder if, if at, a, um, at a solution to this, if we're going to get a state of play or something. See, yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go with it is do anything they were going to try and do. I mean, you know, are they just going to give little updates that they were going to give to PAX East and the state of play just as a, hey, here's something cool just to kind of be like, sorry, we couldn't make it. Uh, and of course, we're going through the, the we're you know as we go into March, that'll be the first quarter of the year, and we've not had a state of play this year yet. Yeah, and technically, because um, what was the the last one? December. It was the one that was right before the yeah, Game Awards, and their their fiscal year will begin in March. Yeah, well, and I still do. I mean, this calendar year to be fair, but yeah, yeah we haven't had one this quarter. If you, well, you want to look at it that way, yeah, we haven't had one this quarter. Um, but you know, it is weird to cancel GDC though a month out because we don't know. Well, it's just Corona still growing, and that's the problem. Is it started well, off they, like well, they hey, come you know, out tomorrow with a vaccine for it or something? Who knows? I mean, I don't know either. But and who's to say that they won't 
they may not potentially go back in if suddenly it gets under control. I was going to say something. Probably not because gonna, of timing and preparation that would go into that. But I was going to say something that would have been very controversial that I it would have fit in Dickisha best, but not for this. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad you didn't say it, I guess. Um, so going into that, though, right, if we're having canceled two events from Sony or backing out of two events from Sony, right, um, what is there to say in the long run that Sony is going to be able to pull off a PS5 overview. Now, part of the reason I bring that up... Go ahead and finish what you're saying, because I'm sure... (laughs) Anyway, um, one of the things that comes to mind... uh, You know, we talked about how Sony was saying that they were doing a little differently on the way they were going to announce PlayStation, and they were different things were going on. Well, that was a partial transcript from from an earnings call. we got the full transcript from that, and the translation shows that Sony stated that they were going to be doing that unveiling the PlayStation 5 uh, reveal was going to be in line with the past. So, what do we look at for that, right? PS4. Yeah. Now, that was February. Now, in line with that doesn't mean it has to be February, but it does mean first quarter is kind of what I'm taking that as, right? So if Sony's original plan was to actually still reveal the PS5 to some degree, maybe not cost, maybe not the box, but more show games or whatever, if their plan was to do that in Q1 and they're having to pull out of events because of this, who's to say that in order to make sure they're still getting information out there and not letting too much market share go about PlayStation 5 and and that buzz, do we get a state of play that is the PS5 reveal due to the coronavirus? And yeah. then further than that, can PS5 even make the reveal if coronavirus continues to be an issue? Since, you know, one of the things that came up back when the tariff thing was hitting was that um, items that were coming from China to America were going to have to be heavily taxed, uh, heavily tariffed, essentially. Um, and Sony and them, and, and actually Nintendo did to some degree, uh, they were discussing whether they wanted to move manufacturing out of China. Nintendo diversified and add, and added manufacturing elsewhere, but still have Which some. Which is smart. In China. I, wish, I really do wish Sony would have done that. Because so, I feel like we're going to see a delay on the, on the console because they still do manufacturing solely in China. Yeah. And I felt like... Like I feel like that I this is gonna get a little preachy and kind of off topic, but I hope this kind of opens people's eyes to like when you have manufacturing done in one spot, especially such a densely populated spot, that it's worth it to get out and go branch out because you, a problem like this, you know, yeah. if 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 we are having manufacturing done in other countries too, uh, and it's nothing against China, it's just that is the perfect example of like if something happens like this virus in such a densely populated country. It's ridiculous, and then you have you know you have other options, other developments that you can make. It's still delay, but it's it it's just to me it's it it's just weird. And I think Ryan on Twitter was saying something of the nature too of like he actually called them out on on something similar that hey you know if you would have actually pulled manufacturing to somewhere else then you wouldn't be having this issue or and stuff like that. Which for us normal consumers it is no like no no business to us realistically. But I figured that yeah. since we're on the topic, I'd feel I thought about feels there. But um, well, it's it's it goes back to the old adage of don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, and they yeah. put all their manufacturing places in one country. Now, of course, the problem with that also comes down to the fact of I'm actually curious about Ryan. Let me know what you uh, if, if you want to. <laughs> uh, 
I'm curious if you meant if they should have diversified and included manufacturing that wasn't in China, or if they should have just moved it from China to another singular location because you still have the same issue. Yeah, I, I if don't, you do that, I don't. Think I feel like that, diversified production is probably the better way to go. But the one thing we've not talked about in relation to that is the fact that China and the reason it goes is because China's labor laws are so different and it keeps costs low. So one of the problems that comes into that. Slave labor. The moment you moved, yeah, and I mean, and this is one of those unfortunate talks about that, but that's tech is made in China partially because it's easy for them to get away with a lot of stuff and it keeps costs low. Um, the moment they move it out of China, regardless of where they go, there's likely going to be some form of a price increase. I will. Pay- how how willing is the average consumer to pay more because it's produ- because it's manufactured somewhere else? And that's a question I genuinely don't know the answer well, to. We well, can answer it ourselves. You have a good example of it, though, when you but, think about it. Um, where, uh, Say if I want to buy a Fender guitar. Yeah, yeah. Where's the other place where they, they typically get made? Mexico. Yes. Yeah. Now, you would say that the price difference between a Mexican Fender versus an American one is, is what, about 200 to 300, right? Sometimes, it, it depends. It can, be, it can actually be pretty drastic. Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes a lot more, but yeah. for the most part. And yet the Mexican uh, Fenders still sound the exact same. Or that, 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 okay, they still sound of good quality. Yeah, yes, um, yes. But you do have manufacturing that has better quality, and it does sound better, albeit it's a higher price. I think that's a, like a, a kind of a cool business model, even though you wouldn't want that for everything. You wouldn't want, like, well, I was going to say, like, Mexican Coke, but that's actually a thing. <laughs> um, Mexican Coke is delicious, yeah, too. It's actually better. I actually hate Mexican Coke <laughs> compared to regular <laughs> Coke. I hate Coke in general. Um, Pepsi or or, or die, but um, now that's controversial. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, oh, it is. Trust me. Uh, but but yeah, the Coca Cola companies over there just looking at all the companies that they are involved with, and going. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of a cool way to look at, like a company that does uh, diversify their manufacturing. Is you have you have a guitar company that that has like I wonder how much a Mexican Stratocaster will cost converted or um, uh, in, in comparison to an American one, which I know is. Um, Probably like three hundred to five hundred is what I think I remember. Uh, again, it depends on what you're doing and what you're getting. But I mean, it, 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 you do speak to a good point about other other industries being able to do that. But it's just a very different setup. Four hundred dollars. Um, that's not very tech related, right? Uh, I mean, it's no, a don't cool wrong. There, now there is tech involved in that, and yeah. that, and that's actually one of the biggest reasons. Going towards your point, one of the biggest reasons that people go towards the American is that the innards. Uh, now, not only does the instrument normally feel a little bit better when it's when it's manufactured in America, um, it's it's primarily that the pickups and all the electronics that go in between them, all the wiring and whatnot, is typically done better if produced in America. Do guitars ever get cheaper, or like, am I just like gotten older? And I'm like, okay, these are not as much as I thought they were. I mean, it depends. You've always been able to get like $200 guitars. Well, no, I'm talking about like big brand name Fender stuff. They've all they've all become more affordable in ways, and then still have their high lines. Uh, but yeah, that's actually a really good point. Is that uh, other industries do try and diversify, and you pay a difference depending on which one you buy. Tech has never done that. Yeah, never yeah, done that. and that's the closest thing I can think of that tech has done is in cell phones. Um, so Samsung being the way they are, they have, of course, their own uh, processing chips and everything that they can put in uh, that's called the Equinox uh, that they put into their Samsung lines uh, for Canada and the rest of the world for the most part. Uh, When they make an American phone, they actually use Qualcomm chips. Uh, And so depending on where you buy your phone from, depends on which chipset you're going to get. And each chipset has its own benefits and, and downsides, but they generally cost the exact same if you were to convert for money. Um, if you were to con- con- convert uh, the exchange rates. So 
to that, that's the closest thing I could think of to where they do manufacture them differently, but the cost doesn't change, right? Really, and they're still manufactured in the same place. They're just manufactured differently depending on where they're going. Um, so if consoles would be able to say, hey, you know, we're going to have U.S.-made consoles that are going to cost $300 more, I don't know. I mean, genuinely, I don't know what kind of effect that would have on the industry. And I think that that's the biggest thing is we always talk about these from things that we do and don't like and, and that from a very personal standpoint. And then occasionally we'll look at it from a business side. I think this is where you look at it from the business side and, and look and say, I'm sure one of the biggest reasons that they don't want to overly pull out of China is cost of production. Uh, and because they don't want to have their item go up so high that they can't absorb that cost, or they don't want to absorb that cost because it's a bad business move, I'm sure the biggest fear is if you moved production out of China to America and all PS5s cost $800, it's going to... I have a feeling that on their side, looking at it from a business standpoint, that's just a drastic change from what the industry has always been, that there would be a fear that the industry would tank, at least in their sector, because of that. And look at it this well, way. Not if only that, but the millions of dollars to migrate out of a country sure. for manufacturing. Millions. I almost and, said billions, yeah. but I, millions. But think about this. If your competition doesn't move out and they're still able to sit there and go into China and make it very cheap. Say Microsoft doesn't go to America, but Sony did, right? This is a crazy what if thing but what if sony moved their manufacturing to america it, it's not going to happen and charged 800 dollars for ps5 okay microsoft goes and says hey we're gonna do the series x and let's say that the series x somehow is more powerful right we don't know for sure but let's say it's more powerful not only is it more powerful but they made it in china so they're able to sell it for 400 or 500 dollars suddenly there's a four to three hundred three to four hundred dollar price difference between these two things and the winner becomes very easy very quickly and the series x gets the red ring of death <laughs> but that's what you i think that that's part of why the gaming industry does that we, as an industry, people don't really want to talk about it, but we're very set in our ways. We have high expectations of what stuff could come around to that comes into cost. And it's America. If it ain't America made, it's trash. <clears throat> well, that's, the weird thing is, nobody Ow. has that thought about games. Really? I, 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 I tend to think Japanese games are better than American games. What's funny Western about... games. Well, yeah, but even let's just talk about the tech of it, you know? I've never even heard someone say that they like Microsoft better as a game system just because Microsoft's an American company. And oh, I have. You don't. You don't. You don't go to them PlayStation Twitter threads. There's nothing but toxicity in those. Well, and what I mean both, by that, both sides. I've only ever heard once from a very young kid, like 13. Of course, he and I was young too. I just happened to know better than he did. I remember him saying that Microsoft, um, because Microsoft was an American company. Xbox was made, and this is back during the 360 gen. Xbox was made in 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 America. I said, "Hey, tell you this, buddy, they're made in the exact factory." Uh, yeah, the Fox that Con. the PlayStation is made in, <laughs> and it was just funny. But that's not normally something that you have to think of. Most people are aware that tech comes from China. Yeah, and that's just uh, it's a it's a weird it's, thing, it's, and it's something that will never change. Yeah. Ever. Or if it does, it's just going to go to the next closest cheap place. It never will change. Or it, or it will diversify. There are so many millions upon millions upon millions of dollars put in those factories that yes, people have that they have they would lose the yanking out. Unfortunately, um, you know, that's one of those things that, that you know, people always say too, like, just because it's made in China doesn't mean it's of lesser quality. Ninety percent of the products you have sitting around you are made in are China. Or in China, yeah. Or something think, within them. I actually was think made our in China. desks though are American made. Our desks are not American made. They're uh, Ecuador made. Throw it out. Ecuador. Or no, not Ecuador. Ecuador does not mean equal. Hold on, it's not Ecuador. It's a. Uh, 
it's what do they always make jokes of? What are the jokes they used to make about kids and that kids are hungry from uh, Ethiopia? Ethiopia. That's what we have. Desk Ethiopian desk. Yes. Get out of here. Interesting, right? I learned that about a year ago. So, for community's take, <laughs> I want to make it so simple. What is your opinion on on Sony not making it to PAX and or GDC? We'll make it that way. That way, we can get everybody's in. You can write a paragraph. You can write a Sony bad, Microsoft good. I don't care. Write what you want to write. <laughs> um, as for the end of the podcast, you guys can find us across most, if not all, podcast services. If you use a podcast service and we're not on it, let us know, and we'll try to get on it. We've done that with successfully with pretty much everyone that's been thrown our way. Yep. And uh, of course, you can catch our beautiful faces on YouTube over on the Triangle or no Nartech um, page where you're probably listening to this. But uh, also, we have a patron, which in which you can support us, helps us buy our equipment, and uh, pay for fees because recording fees actually hosting fees, hosting fees. Yeah, yeah my bad. Actually, are pretty expensive for what they are. And uh, I think that's it. If you guys want to see exclusive content, that's also the place to head, as well as maybe even voting for games for a book club that we all play together and hang out with each other and talk about in a super secret patron discord. Um, <laughs> but yeah, speaking of those lovely people, I'll let Brett in the episode with a list of who they all are and where they all come from. Actually, Thank we you don't guys. have that information. We, Thank yeah, you we don't, we're going to say that, but thanks guys. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Douglas Blow, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Funk Turkey, Danny Villobos, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Solitary Red, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Dylan Kirby, and Sand Coffin. If you would like to support us on Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you.